Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tastings Studios, this is Bullhagen. This is Brick. This is Vicker. And this is Peter in the studio once again. Woohoo! On a special day. Yeah, as we record this, it is my birthday. A quarter of oh, a century. Boy. Big two five. I, I got a text from my mom saying that she felt really old. Yeah, it's strange how uh, sometimes it's your birthday, but, you know, we can make it all about us. That's right. <laughs> it's a bullhagen way. You know, I, <laughs> I woke up today and I, it's, it's this is the most, I, I don't want you to feel like, like you're not making a big, big enough deal of this, but this is the, probably the most mad birthday I've ever had where it's just like, before now I've been like, I woke up and it's like, oh, it's my birthday. And today I was just like, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess today's my birthday, but it's just another day. Well, welcome. Oh, I don't worry. It gets worse. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry. As you get older, the birthday means a little less, unless you're me. I was going to say, like, <laughs> unless you make an effort to keep it that way, right? I imagine otherwise it starts off, you know, being the highlight of your year, and then it just goes slowly down, and I'm hitting right now, I'm hitting, like, the middle ground, where I'm, like, just barely over zero, and it probably just gets worse and worse into even probably the negatives, I imagine. Yeah. Kind of like when you were children, I would always on my birthday would wish you a happy my birthday. <laughs> yeah, when we were children. <laughs> Not this last birthday as well or anything. <laughs> yeah, I had a story time. I had a, an incident today that my wife completely regrets because she'll be hearing the story several times. I had a doctor's appointment and a nurse walks in confused and she walks out. And then she walks in again. And she is like she was lost. And the problem was her sheet said that she was, you know, the patient in the room was a 47-year-old male. Oh, no. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And she thought she had the wrong patient. Because you look too old? Too young. Uh. This is going to (laughs) be the worst thing that ever happened to your family. Yep. I'm glad for you, but man. (laughs) So, um, Berg, please tell me. So I actually, I'm hoping that this will make your birthday just a little bit more positive and not just so meh. So I went to our favorite liquor store, Cyclone Liquors, Ooh. and I picked up, uh, it's called Rabbit Hole. It's a bespoke gin, which is barrel finished. Barrel finished gin. So it's got this beautiful kind of amberish color. Yeah. And uh, so. So I'm I'm ignorant on gin, actually. Oh, okay. I think I've had gin once, and it was like the bargain cheapest gin we could get a hold of because we're like, I've never had gin. What's that like? With gin, you really do get what you pay for. And um, yeah. Because uh, the, the cheap <laughs> stuff just kind of tastes like a uh, Christmas tree. Yes. Yes. Right. And this one has a really nice, almost bourbony sort of taste to it. Interesting. So I brought this to share because, you know, I'm that kind of guy. I always think of others. <laughs> well, thank you, Bert. <laughs> So, and you know, it's got botanicals in it, so it's like healthy. Very good. Does it have uh, wheat or? Um, actually, I'm. I think with clear with these clearer alcohols, uh, they might have trace amounts, but I don't. You know, I you should be able to actually drink whiskey from what it sounds. Yeah, like. I was gonna say, didn't we talk about this the other the other uh, for episode 100? I I did the research. Yeah, doesn't make me less nervous because I really don't want to mess up my test. 
That's true. I really want to figure out what it is. Thank you. So just give me a little bit. Okay. Mm. So 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 they used to have what were called gin palaces. Oh, hang on. on. Wait, wait, wait. Quiet. There we go. (laughs) And uh, this is, gin was actually the reason why the temperance movement started. They weren't against beer because beer was like, you know, like the nice thing to drink. Mm -hmm. Like for kids. Oh, that's really good. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's. I like gin as a summer drink usually, mm-hmm. but this one has a nice kind of yeah bourbon oaky flavor to it. So a lot more com- complex than right. Uh, yeah, it's really good. So happy birthday! Cheers. You know, and it looks like Vicar has some Fanta grape. Is that what you have? Yeah, it's been sitting around. I was. I didn't know what we were. What I was walking into today. I didn't bring a drink myself, but. Uh, I came in, I got my energy drink because I didn't get much sleep as per usual. Because you worked till 7 this morning, didn't you? Right, I worked till 7 this morning. Uh, so I have a 3D energy drink that's uh, called Liberty Pop, and it tastes just like those... Uh, popsicles? Popsicles, the three-colored pop. Oh, the really? Pop? The red, yeah. yellow, blue. It tastes exactly the same, and it's very good. I highly recommend it. Um, Where do you get that from? Well, I got it from Come and Go. No. Oh. Um, the other the other thing I got because I was pumping gas and they had a big old advert for Smart Water, and so you know, pumping gas nothing better to do than to look at the ads, right? Right. And I, I like saw, it when the word of the day comes up and it gives you like this awesome word, <laughs> right? With a great definition. Well, and I saw that they had cucumber lime Smart Water, and that I I had to know what makes like cucumber. I've never had cucumber water, and uh, so I got it. Not great. It's not worth the hype. No, no. It's like you drink you drink the water and it tastes like water, and then afterwards, any when you breathe, you feel like you just ate a bunch of cucumber, mm. and the lime is not there at all. I think it's probably from you know a fancy hotel in their lobby will have a big thing of water with sliced cucumber and lime. Well, I, I like the limes. I just the cucumber doesn't appeal to me either. Like there's this beer uh, that they that they brew in town, and it's a cucumber beer. It's the the Cucamonga, and I've had it, and I'm just not a big fan of it. I, you know, a lot of people like it; they think it's refreshing, but I just really, I just oh, really the, don't. The, the Pucamonga? I've never. Yeah. Heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, where do we go from here? Oh well, well, we got a sermon to prepare, right? Do we? Yeah. So, so uh, we got to figure out what we're preaching on. Yeah, we're fourth week of Lent, aren't we? Hmm. So that reading should be John 6, 1 through 15. And what happens in that text, Vicar? That would be the feeding of the 5,000. Oh. Can you talk to us a little bit about the Sunday and why the Sunday is kind of important, Vicar? If I can remember off the top of my head what else was happening, I could do that. But okay, unfortunately, well, I'm going in blind at this moment. All right. So uh, on this Sunday, the color actually changes. It changes from violet to rose, uh, just like it does in Advent. Um, it's the third Sunday in Advent, it's the fourth Sunday in Lent, and this is when those really kind of harsh colors are taken out, and it softens, it mellows a little bit. This is kind of like uh, the way station. Uh, it's kind of the, the place where you can rest and sit back and kind of enjoy it, life a little. You know, you're not being attacked by demons all the time. I've got a good way to describe this. It is the Bethlehem of Lent. What does Bethlehem mean? House of bread. Because it was 
Yeah. A pit stop on the way to Jerusalem. Yeah. Okay. You you don't seem convinced there, Berg. I'm I'm not, but I mean, there's bread. You know. There's bread in the feeding of the five thousand. Yes. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a great time to uh, happy my birthday. Yes, happy my birthday. <laughs> this is a great Sunday to just kind of relax um, and to get ready for the for the plunge because then the next Sunday we enter what's called Passion Tide, and Passion Tide is where stuff starts to get real. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, visually, a lot of things change. Like um, the uh, the pictures uh, were usually closed up. Uh, the crucifixes were usually veiled during this time. Um, and this is when Jesus hides himself after the Jews are about ready to stone him. And also the Gloria Patris, the glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit drop out. And so, like, right after this Sunday, it's like we, stuff starts to get real. Like, it and, goes and from it gets, zero and, and to it, And it goes from, you know, the first Sunday of Lent, the temptations of Jesus, to uh, uh, both Sundays after that are talk of demons, demon possession, and the strong man, and all that stuff, to the fighting of the devil, and then... Right, and then Latare, the fourth Sunday, is a great time to just kind of, like, catch your breath. It's like, and then you're back into it, and and it gets really intense really quick. So this is like on those long interstate journeys where you see the sign, last rest stop until however many hundred miles. Right, right. So, so if you're driving from Des Moines to Minneapolis, this is Dudley's. Okay. That good. That's, nice. <laughs> I like it. Just in case, just in case that's uh maybe too local of a joke. Can we think of or not j- joke, but can we think of a better way to phrase that? I mean, I guess it's good. It works good enough for me and I have no idea what we're talking about. Really? Yeah, I don't know what Dudley's is, but it's like I get the concept so. Oh, it See, this gosh. is what we're talking about. You're right? failing in your supervisor duties. <laughs> Never been to Dudley's. Oh my gosh! Well, I suppose you can't like eat anything off the menu anymore. So. Right. <laughs> like, like I said, the, the concept works. Do you know the gas station on the turnoff of the the interstate towards Latimer? Yes, that's Dudley's. Okay then. So, just like the the gas station on the corner over there that has McDonald's attached to it, that's PDQ. No, it's changed now. Nah, that's PDQ. Okay. You can call it whatever you want. Right. That's still PDQ. All right. So the, the corner north is where Skinny Patton used to live. Right. Of right. Course. Skinny Patton's corner. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we went meta for a bit, and now we should like focus on the text, right? So go for it. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain. And there he sat down with his disciples. And the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's brother, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. 
And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciple, his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So the, the reason why this is in Lent probably is the timing of it too, right? Uh, Passover, um, making his way towards Jerusalem. Wouldn't you say, Berg? Yeah, sounds good. So uh, um, he... Uh... <laughs> I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> well, I, like we've been saying the past few episodes, we're pretty far ahead because we're worried about keeping up in Lent. So we are recording this quite in advance. Yes. So why would Passover, Lent, all that, why does that even matter? Because everything, well, Jesus is the Passover the Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, well, what's the Passover for the people who might not? The Passover is a reference, Vicar... That would be back. Yeah. I know what it is. Can we play but, hot potato? But that's with a this? vicar question. Yeah, and, and actually, that's I'm, a vicar. Question. I'm actually perfectly happy with that because in confirmation we were just going through the plagues with Egypt. So, so yeah, it's a little, a little bit fresh in the mind. Uh, the eleventh plague was a plague of vicars. It was the worst. So the the people of Israel had been in Egypt for you know 450 years, if I remember correctly off the top of my head, and they cried out to God to be you know, taken away, you know, taken to their own homeland, as he promised. This is the story with Moses coming to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh refuses. And then there's that, you know, Congo line of plagues and uh, I lost the right word, but you know. Of, Congo line? Yeah, Congo. Oh, what's the word? It's, <laughs> we got, at least we got the name of the I know the podcast, the Congo <laughs> line yeah, of line plagues. plagues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Embarrassment is maybe the right word, but oh, well. It, and it culminates with the 10th the plague, the plague of the firstborn. So every firstborn male, both man and beast, died. Before this happens, though, God commands Israel, you know, every pe- person to take a lamb and then to slaughter it at twilight. They were to eat the lamb after roasting it, but the blood of that lamb would be painted on their door frames. That way the angel of death would pass over their house. Very eerie scene, by the way, in the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Um, and what month was this? Uh, do you want the Jewish one or the one that we're used to? Because uh, it's supposed well, to be— Well, give the Jewish one and— If like, I remember right, it's—was it Nisan? Yep. And, and it's the first—it ended up being the first month of their year. Yeah. It, it, it was out. the first month of their religious calendar yeah. because those two actually uh, ended up changing at some point. I, yeah. And and by the way, it was based on the lunar calendar. Yeah. Yes, which and, is which is why it floats around a little bit, which, and ha- is, which is why Easter floats around yeah. a little bit. And mm-hmm. some some years, like this year, it's earlier in the calendar year than in other years because it's the first Sunday uh, after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. Yeah, now that's that's a vicar question, right? <laughs> I could I could have got two thirds of that easily off the top of my head. <laughs> I'll admit it's the ver- the vernal equinox would have escaped me. And so Jesus then. Uh, and God commanded the children of Israel to, every year, to celebrate the Passover. He says, you know, isn't that, that's the one thing I love about the Old Testament, God commanding feasts. 
I know, isn't it awesome? I had just read uh, a book on leisure, um, or leisure, however you want to pronounce it, and um, it, it really is. Like, only religious people can actually have true leisure. Um, otherwise, it just becomes idleness. Um, because the thing is, is with these feasts that God commands, like, you stop doing your physical work, but it's not like you're idle. You're not just doing nothing. You are celebrating on the one hand, but you're also receiving God's word. And, and very physical I mean, this is way different teaching. than, you know, like staying home and watching Netflix. Yeah. Know. Yeah, and it's very physical teaching, you know, with the Passover. You know, why are we eating uh, unleavened bread? Why are we eating the lamb with bitter herbs? You mean there's like pedagogy in yeah. doing stuff? Yeah, and which, what? you know, you know, why do, which isn't that different than why are we wearing robes? I mean, Why, you know, you know, for for all of the uh, for all of the uh, what do you want to call them, uh, um, introverted people out there, they probably would like the virtual feasts. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder if that's a thing. Go, go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you could just have your little avatar, and you know, you know, go and party without really partying. So, so you're it was s- actually a joke, but you're, you know. you're, you're saying that we should have a monopoly between something like DoorDash and Zoom. So, yes, you or know, or Sims. You know what? That gives me a fantastic idea. So today's my birthday. Uh, my my friends can't get on. We have differing schedules. So we have Sunday is planned for my birthday celebration, and we're gonna do it online. Uh, and we're we're just gonna we're gonna sip on our uh, respective drinks and have fun playing games. But that gives me a great idea. What if we just all order the same thing from DoorDash? Hey, and eat it at the same time. Nice. And we can have our virtual feast. Now, I was kidding because there's some crazy virtual stuff out there. But the nice thing is, like, I tell you what, it is better when you're here in person. Oh, yeah. Rather no than, doubt. you know. And so. It's but, just hard for me to get here with my work schedule. Right. Yeah. I but, wish I could be here every time. No, I, yeah. Because it's nice to be. That was the hardest thing when we had to try record those uh, episodes in our own homes and uh, my internet didn't work very well, so I didn't know That's what, right. what you were saying half the time. So Well, and you know what? If somebody talked to me, uh, and they said, uh, you know, we should really... Because, you know, Bert has to drive a long ways to get here, too. Right. And uh, they told me, you know, Bert has should get a microphone like you do and record from home. And I said, for a host like that, that doesn't work. Right. It really doesn't work. Uh, you know, as the, as the producer who just jumps in and keeps you guys on track or, you know, derails you depending on my mood, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter too much if I'm, you know, a second delayed, I can just, you know, cut you guys off and say, Hey, what was that? Well, if you're a host, it's, it's hard. You can't bounce off people unless you're in the same room nearly as well. Right. And can you just like, the room is diminished with Bert not being here. It really is the energy. I, yeah. You know, it's just not the same. I wish we. I wish you could have been here. I don't know how we were to, would have recorded with uh, five people and four microphones. We probably would have had to share again. But. Surround sound. We're still working on that. No, are are we at this point? <laughs> we tried again. I showed up half an hour early. I'm not giving up. Bullhagen. We're, we're gonna get. It I to couldn't work. get it to work. I was explaining to Vicar before you came. I said, "What I say, Vicar, that uh, um, a lack of confidence is not my problem usually." Yeah. <laughs> you you had so oh, I should point out we we did have a new cardboard <laughs> cardboard uh, contraption. Uh, Please that, tell me you took the picture with the baby face, the horrific thing. Did we take a picture? 
I don't know. Uh, that should have gone on Facebook. All right. I mean, where's Hannah? <laughs> Hannah, why oh, didn't boy. you take a picture? <laughs> We're going to make it happen. I am determined. And But, but now that the, the, the idea is out, we need to make sure we get it done soon because you know Issues Etc. is going to steal our idea. That's right. Yep. They are listening very close. Or the Goddess Dean's crowd, they might steal it. Really? I mean, really, it's yes, like... Yes, I believe they would steal the, it. The two titans <laughs> of uh, Lutheran podcasting are us and Issues Etc., right? Or, it's the, just the, two or well, the Lutheran Hour. Lutheran Hour might take or, that. Uh, well, you know, they're up and rising. To, they're, they're, they're coming up, you know. To, to, a word fitly yeah. spoken is pretty popular, too. To, to be honest, the baby head would fit better with Table Talk Radio. That's true. Yeah, you know, God, who who's in charge of that? That's that's uh, Wolf Mueller. Wolf Mueller and Evan, right? Yeah, Gagline, yeah, Gagline, yeah. I knew him uh, back in seminary. It was awesome. He had quite a setup in his dorm room too for a radio. It's crazy. So, anyways, let's get back to the text. <laughs> we are. I'm derailing you guys <laughs> yeah. so hard today. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, our version of attention issues, etc. Right. Yes. So, Vicar, give me one thing that you like, just off the top of your head. What would you preach on? With with all the stuff going on with Lent and how well this it this is as a t- as a story, I might even go to the last couple of verses, like the whole thing of you know, okay, the, go the, on the crowd, how they're seeing you know they're seeing him as like oh he has he's making these signs he's feeding us, we're gonna make him our king. And I see I hear some echoes between this and the situation Israel was in with Saul and David. Here's the king they want, but here's the king God wants them to have. In mm-hmm. comparison, so that's that's why Jesus doesn't let them. He he leaves. All right. Did you? I, I mean, not, I'm not sure where to take it, but it's so like, like, I, like I'd want to tease that a little somehow because I think like those are great things. Like, where would you go in the catechism? Like, you know, like if you were, you just taught it, right? Yeah. You just taught it in catechism class, and you want to reinforce mm-hmm. it in a sermon. Yeah. So, like, where would you go with like kingdom stuff? Uh, you know, like with with this, I I could see it pretty easily connecting with. You know, fourth commandment. Okay, honor your father and your mother. Right. Okay. Because we've got authorities here. Mm-hmm. But I could see it also with uh, fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer: the "Give us this day our daily bread." Right. How is He providing for us? And mm-hmm. or Thy we, Kingdom come. Yeah. And are we allowing that provision to become almost our idol? Right. Mm-hmm. So. Good. Yeah. And then, okay, so play off yours uh, um, from the second petition, like "Thy Kingdom come." So where would where would you take it? Well, if I was using that from the catechism, I would take it to mean that uh, what does that kingdom look like? Is it a bread mm-hmm. kingdom? Is it based on uh, earthly gifts? Or is it a kingdom not of this world? And uh, is it the king of grace and mercy that God gives to us? So as great as uh, the bread uh, and the fish was to satisfy the, the needs of the body, um, you know, as Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. And along that, when we think of the kind of king he is and the kind of kingdom he brings, uh, you know, he's headed to Jerusalem to die. Mm-hmm. And uh, who wants a king like that? So even as he shows that he is the God of creation, the God who sustains us, who bring, gives us a kingdom, he is a God who also suffers and dies to give us that kingdom. So, how about you? I think, I don't know, There's a, there are so many ways to go with this text. Like, if you take it within the context of Should the we do chapter, a top 12? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I, have you listened to that episode, by the way? I, I have not listened to the whole thing, no. Uh, you guys got, uh, the. we were talking about whether or not you got uh, 12, 12 different ideas, right? 
Mm-hmm. You guys got off. Bert got you guys off on count by one, but then you guys got back on again by doing the same number twice. <laughs> oh, I wasn't here for that one. Yeah, yeah, that was the one before you showed up. We okay. didn't have. We weren't real comfortable with our top twelve list, so we did a top twelve ther- sermon themes based on the baptism of Jesus. Okay, and they glad were, you listened uh, yeah, to the show. They were, they were all on the spot. <laughs> hey, I'm. Hey, you just said I'm, you haven't listened yeah, to it either. Come on now. But I was here, man. I, I, I <laughs> hey, you know what? At least it's not Bird asking what I produce <laughs> with my producer hat. Were you here for that one? He saw my no, hat. He was I, like, I, I was. I wasn't here for that. <laughs> he, he saw my hat and he was like, "Oh, what are you the producer for?" <laughs> I said, I, "The Claire Colares podcast." Welcome to the show. <laughs> so I, I mean, you could use First Commandment and talk about the nature of faith and what true faith is. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's what the rest of the chapter is. Jesus then uses this uh, illustration of eating and drinking to talk about faith, right? In the um, in the sixth chapter of of John's Gospel, um, you could talk about uh, you could talk about the Word of God, how they were there to hear the third commandment. What does it actually mean to fulfill the third commandment? Right, mm-hmm. because the people were there. I mean, their butts were literally in the grass. Right, mm-hmm. but we can see, and so you have kind of that interplay there with faith, false faith, um, a true keeping of the Sabbath, and a false keeping of the Sabbath. Um, yeah, I mean the other things like fourth petition, you know, what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of this world? Um, and you can, you know, or you could just simply talk about the compassion, compassion of Christ that you know, He had on them. Right, or you know, you could ask, was Jesus uh, being deceitful? Because that'd be that'd be another interesting one, right? Because he asks a question to Philip, and but he knows what he's going to do already. Right, right. So how do we take that? Well, I mean, we can take that in the sense that our God is kind of a playing God. He's a playful God. Um, he, uh, it's just like you know when you play with your kids, right? You uh, put on this mean face and like run after them and you know and they're not actually scared of you right right and, but that's how god acts and you know we saw it in remiscure with the syrophoenician woman um and all of this stuff is meant to reveal this this basic truth that the child should love and trust the father even when he's pretending to be an ogre or a dragon or pretending to like hit them in the face with a book or you know, that kind of stuff. Because there, there are times where Jesus almost seems like he has a little fun with it. Like, yeah. I, oh, no. You know. What and, are we going to do? You know, Luther tells a story about when he was, you know, because what they did for scholarships was they would go door to door and they would sing. Kind of like Christmas caroling. Yeah. Or like Halloween. But they did it all year round. And they, they're they out at the edge of town. and they Vicar, go to a, by the way, you would need three jobs. Okay. <laughs> 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 or just beg for a lot of figgy pudding. <laughs> but uh, um, actually, the songs that go with Halloween are really kind of cool. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard them. Like, a soul, a soul, a soul cake. Please, good please, good master, a soul cake. An apple, a pear, a plum, or a cherry. Anything good to make us merry. One for Peter, two for Paul. Three for him who made us all. Man, why do I have to get one? That's dumb. So, Not more than you one. know. <laughs> but anyway, so they would go door to door, and they went to the edge of town to the butcher's house. And the butcher come out with came out with this big booming voice, and 
and a knife in the other hand. And he's like, oh, I've got something for you, you young rascals. And they got scared and they ran away. But on the other hand, they didn't notice that he had sausages that he was going to give them, you know? And in the same way, I mean, our God is a playful God, right? He plays with us like a loving father plays with his children. And all of these things are meant to excite and to strengthen faith. Just like the feasts that we talked about earlier. Yeah. The way they were beautiful object lessons. Now, only in just the opposite way. (laughs) Right. Because you know it's manifestly untrue, right? That your dad isn't going to beat you or leave you tied to a tree or, you know, that kind of stuff. Or maybe he would, Peter. I don't know. Let me drop one on you. Is that a sin? To tie your kids to a tree? Well, to intentionally (laughs) deceive. Well, is it intentionally? De- well, it is. It is intentional in the sense that it's done right, but everybody knows it's a lie. And Luther actually argues in his Galatians commentary that it's not a sin because it's done to actually really manifest the truth that um, we should love God more than the appearances. So, for example, when God wrestles with Jacob, right? Or when Jesus seems to be going farther after the resurrection. You know, there are so many cases of this uh, in the scriptures, right? Um, but it's but it's done in such a way that it is to, that everybody's kind of in on the ruse, you mm. know, hopefully. I actually have preached this way before, where there, there might be something where I know everyone would pretty much agree with. And so I would, had started the sermon with about three or four minutes of of preaching that and saying, you know, oh, wouldn't it be great if this or that or that? And then I said, by the way, what I just said, that's all wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where, you know, you, but you think, well, it's heavy. You preach something wrong from the pulpit. No, actually, I was building up in them uh, their own thoughts, and then I was dashing it against the stone. Right. You know? Jesus does this with the parables, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, too, is, is like, I mean, most m- movies, right, they are intentionally deceiving, right? We watch all these stories about people who never existed doing things that never happened, right? Um, you know. But everybody are, knows that it's a movie. Right. Well, just like every kid knows that when his dad roars and chases him, that it's An, exa- fun, an right? example would be, like, I can say to children in the congregation, I can say to them, get away from me. I don't like children. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then Vicar can go up to the same kids, get away from me. I don't like children. They'll go, ah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Vicar, don't do that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that at all. <laughs> <laughs> or like when I when I tease my nieces and nephews and say, oh, well, it's time for birthday spankings even when it's not their birthday. And, like, they get, you know, like, and it's all pretend. Like, they know it's all a joke. Man, we're all over right? the place today. You know? But, I mean, all this is theologically mm-hmm. true, right? Like, God isn't just some boring teacher who just teaches us straightforward, right? He's actually teaching his disciples here, what does it mean to actually trust in him, right? He asks Philip the question because he wants him to say, I don't know, but you do, right? Mm-hmm. And so he has him actually struggle with it. And we all know that, right? The things that we learn the best are the things that we actually struggle with and internalize um, 
you know, even though Jesus seems to be um, running contrary, right? The only sort of intentional deceiving that is actually sinful, right, is the kind that is meant to harm or hurt, right, or destroy. Well, well, some would say the cross itself was an intentional deceiving of the devil. Yeah, I mean, because they didn't know that it was the Lord. Otherwise, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory, right, from Second Corinthians. Um, because there are some theories that the devil didn't understand that Jesus actually was going to die. Right. Or that if he died, uh, the game was up and it was over, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like a fish on the hook. So I'm going to attempt another gotcha moment then. Okay. If deceit is only a sin if it is harmful, is a white lie a sin? I guess I would uh, ask what the... Uh, I mean, what the occasion is, right? Sure. I mean, you kind of have to know. See, that's the problem with blanket questions is that you get blanket answers, you know? So, like, so for example, honey, do you like my new haircut? <laughs> I know I've not been married that long, but I I think... Uh, let's, let's cut. Say something else. Yeah, because the only way your to res- wife just recently got a haircut. Because the only way to respond to Try that question is with, <laughs> no. is with Admiral Akbar. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. Well, because if I'm I, pretty confident, Peter. Well, I you know because uh, my wife cuts my hair, and she's not very happy sometimes with how it turns out. But I just say eh, it grows back. It's fine, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I, well, you know, and she and I have talked about that, that I really don't care much for short hair on women, you know, like the really short sort of, you know, but. Like a pixie cut? Yeah, I, I don't really care much for that. And so, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bad husband. That's probably what it is. So <laughs> I think, I think we're enjoying just listening to you talk and just see where you're going today. This is awesome. This is so. Well, we are all over the place, <laughs> which is a great show. Well, and you know, because fun. well, like it, this is like what we the stuff we have to talk about about mm-hmm. lies, white lies, um, because like in the Bible, you see that David acts like a crazy person, so that way he isn't killed by the Canaanite king. You see that the midwives lie to Pharaoh in order to save the Hebrew children, and God actually blesses them for it. Um, so, you know, um, because there, there is a difference between a, a, a lie and bearing false witness to a certain degree. Yeah. Well, and most of the books we read, fiction books are, they're lies in the sense that they are untrue, you know? Um, and we enjoy them. We wouldn't say that fiction books are, are sinful to read. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> Otherwise I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, me too, me too. <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, you know, and so that's where it's like, you know, who tells lies? The devil tells lies. Why does he tell lies? He does it to harm people, he does it to um, lead them astray, to lead them to destruction. Why do people in the Bible tell lies often? Uh, just to protect themselves, right? Um, this is why I really struggle with. Like the lying that Abraham and Isaac did um, when Abraham and Sarah were in Egypt and when Isaac and Rebecca were in Gerir, right? When they say, oh, well, you know, she's my sister, right? And they do it because there's no fear of God in this place. 
Well, the first thing is you probably shouldn't be there, mm-hmm. right? You shouldn't be in Egypt. You should be in the promised land. Um, that's why Jacob's prayer when he goes to Beersheba and sacrifices to the Lord is so great because he asks for guidance. And God actually says, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt because that's where I'm going to make you into a mighty people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they go there, and then they end up lying. And I know a lot of church fathers kind of excuse their lying and stuff. But, um, dude, the guy—Abraham basically pimps out his wife. Right. I mean, that's what happens, Right. And uh, then uh, Isaac gets caught fondling Rebecca, right? And what it does is that kind of lying actually makes them, it actually brings the faith down, right? Yeah. Because it shows, like, they don't actually trust in God. They made a mistake when they went to these places, but then rather that they compound the mistake than by lying about it because there's no fear of God there. Right. And it, so it just, it's interesting how, like, the lie, it just becomes worse and worse. Right. And so, you know, which is not the same relationship when we tell lies to our kids, when we tell them stories. Right. Yeah. Like, once upon a time, we tell them false stories to tell them true things. Right. Like, so, where were the Tooth Fairy or the. Well, you're you don't you're not a Santa Claus fan. You're like the other one, the, the oh, evil Krampus. One. Yeah, that's yours. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I uh, well, and stuff like that. You know, the kids have to know that it's not real. That this is my personal opinion, because like you don't I, want, you don't want it to because because you don't want them to think oh. That was a nice myth. I learned. I thought it was a true as a child, but now that I'm an adult, it's not true. It it really isn't that much of a step for them to say, "Oh, what about the Bible stuff?" If Santa Claus all of right. a sudden isn't true. Well, and that's the thing. Like H.P. Lovecraft in his confession of unfaith, he's you know he talks about this sort of thing too. Like when, you know, he stops believing in Santa Claus, then I mean he actually gets kicked out of Sunday school because he's such a rabid atheist and doesn't believe uh, in God anymore. And that's part of the thing, right? is like we shouldn't tell lies to our children. We should tell them the truth. Like it's great to celebrate a man like St. Nicholas who is generous, who gave money to the poor, uh who tried to keep them from sin. And if we want to do that with like a red, cl- you know, a red cloak or whatever and use it to uh um show the sort of generosity that Jesus has shown to us. Awesome. You know? But Things like that, I I don't see the benefit of telling them stuff like that, right? If we're not going to also tell them, you know, because kids know once, a pine, once upon a time usually means that it's... A false story. A false story, right? And so you suspend belief for the time of the story, right? Mm-hmm. Like three little pigs building homes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, or Aesop's Fables where you have talking animals, Right. By the, by the way, can I say this, Berg? You're hitting the right button a lot tonight. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to. I don't. I didn't want to say anything because you're on a roll. But he's on a roll this whole episode. So, but yeah, I I guess that's how I feel about it. Is you wanna if you're gonna tell them the false things, kind of like when you're chasing them, they don't actually think they're mad. You're mad at them. You don't. They don't actually think that you're gonna harm them, but they think it's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. And so if you are going to tell them false things, 
Make sure they know, know. Make sure that they know that the stories are false, but that you're telling these things to them for the true meaning, right? Yeah. I, I that, said right again. No, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like uh, when uh, the kids would lose a tooth and and uh, I would like I would call the tooth fairy on the phone pretending, you know, so-and-so. And they none of them ever believed that I was actually on the phone with a tooth fairy, but I made a big show of it. Right. Well, and that's the thing is because uh, I remember when I stopped believing in Santa Claus, uh, it was it was actually kind of a traumatic thing, right? Because you you really believe hard in it, and like you get these gifts and you do all these things, and it's Peter. Do you remember ever? Uh, do you have a Santa Claus story? I don't remember ever believe, uh, believing in Santa Claus, no. When he was in preschool, because Peter didn't really think uh, Santa Claus made sense. <laughs> <laughs> and so preschool, he said, he said, you know, I, I really know the truth about Santa Claus to us or something. We said, okay, just don't go blabbing at, at your preschool about all this, you know. And so he came back the next, you know, and from preschool, and, he, and I, well, did you tell any kids about the Santa Claus thing? I said, no, only one. Well, why? Because Dad, I mean, she really believed in Santa Claus. Ah, you know what? Ah. I, w- I wonder if we've hit this because I think at last time this came up, uh, and I'll say it again this time. Like, if you immediately start crying when somebody says Santa Claus isn't real, y- you must have known it, right? Like, if somebody came up to you and said, you know. Uh, I don't know. What's something that you've never seen that, that, you know, the President Biden isn't real. You wouldn't immediately start crying. No. The thing is, is I think one <laughs> of the adults was angry at me. And so then they just, they said, yeah, it was all, you know, Santa Claus oh. was all fake. So it's like an authority figure, basically, <laughs> like... <laughs> kind of like when, when someone starts dating. Here's the truth. <laughs> yeah. So, like... I thought your haircut was stupid. Because, <laughs> like, if another kid would have said it, I'd be like, well, you're dumb. Obviously, he's real. I get presents under the tree. You know? So, so it, that's the whole well, thing, right? We should teach things that and, are... And I, I can understand why you're upset, because on top of that, like, freshman year of high school is really difficult anyways. Ah! <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> so, all right. So we are going to move on to The Book Was Better. Peter, you're in studio, so please play the intro. You got it. Something that Bullhagen would never say because he never actually reads books. Nah, the book was better. It's time for The Book Was Better. Poor Bullhagen. All right, so I got the idea for this. I was in, uh, what, what's that uh, bookstore down in Ames? It looks like it's by a Best Buy. Uh, BAM or? Oh, yeah, BAM, I think is what yeah. it's called. And uh, they had all these books up, you know, f- that were going to be made into movies. Interesting. So, You're probably the first person I've ever met that has gone into that store. <laughs> I've been in there probably half a dozen times. It's been awesome. You end up in Ames a lot? Not as often as maybe I'd like to end up there, but interesting, you know. So, I I like games. Me too. So, I uh, I actually because I heard that they were going to make Isaac Asimov's The Foundation into a movie. 
And so I thought, hey, it'd be a great chance to reread some of the the uh, golden age of science fiction. You know, 50s, 60s. This stuff was pretty pretty rad. You know, in influenced uh, because it was a it was a, a time where where boundless possibilities. You know, we had atomic energy and space it, travel, and the world looked tough, but optimism, that sort of thing. Yeah, just the kind of kind of what we're going through now, an explosion of you know, all of that was kind of distilled down by Gene Roddenberry into Star Trek, because if you watch the original series, and uh, the I next, read the book. I haven't actually seen the. Oh man, you're missing out. <laughs> so that see that was a see guys that was a lie that was meant to express a truth. <laughs> so and you all know it. So give us a summary of this book that you have without spoiling it. If they're going to make it a movie. So this is set during the days of the Galactic Empire. There's this man, his name is Harry Selden, and he comes up with this theory called psychohistory. And it measures mathematically large groups of people. And the more people you have and the longer period of time you have, uh, the more accurate you can be on how these vast groups will interact with one another um, historically. And the thing is, is that he knows that the Galactic Empire is dying and that there's going to be a 36,000-year Dark Age before a new Galactic Empire will rise. And he has created two foundations in order to make that 36,000 years into a mere 1,000 years. And so the book is all about all of the struggles that this new empire, that this new foundation is struggling through in order to become the new galactic empire. So it was based heavily on Gibbon's uh, decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... So this is like the deep state for the galactic empire. In a sense, and there's actually a trial at the beginning of the book because they are saying, oh, man, these guys are just radicals and they're trying to overthrow it, right? And But they're not. They're actually like, this is scientifically proven... Um, this is going to happen, so deal so, with it. So, right? so the and book, no one can stop it. The book isn't actually, or the movie has been released. I think it's in production now. But you're so. just assuming that the book will be better. Oh, I know the book will be better. I, I imagine there's a lot of politics involved, and it'd be really hard for that to translate to the screen. See, like if they had would, would have made this movie back in the 50s and 60s when speech making was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like think back to like the Ten Commandments, for example, and think of the the speeches there. It's great, but now it's all uh, explosions and. What about what about uh, Independence Day? The speech given at Independence Day, best speech in a movie ever, all time. All right, we need to okay. We, we what, to... what are the best speeches in a movie? Okay, so can we play it or? Ah, sure, we can play it. Why not? Yeah, we just played it for Berg. What did you think, Berg? Uh, there were some nice rhetorical flourishes in it. I liked how he rhymed night and, uh, uh, yeah, he vanished into the night. And then what was the line before that? We will not go quietly into the night. So so there there was some rhyming going on there. I would have chosen extinction rather than annihilation. Um, he didn't really tie independence into the right to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, which could have been a little bit better. A lot of loose ends in your mind. 
And I mean, let's just be honest. They probably didn't sign the Declaration of Independence on the July 4th. So, you know. You heard it here first. July 3rd is Independence Day. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you tell your employers. So (laughs) just take the whole week. So back to your book. (laughs) So um, there's a lot of cool stuff in the book uh, that we can talk about. One of them, I thought, was the relationship between science and religion. Now, Isaac Asimov was a notorious atheist and materialist, but um, he actually writes religion in there fairly sympathetically, at least in the second stage of, or in the second conflict that the foundation has to go through. See, they are surrounded by these barbarian, barbarian kingdoms that had split off from the Galactic Empire. And these kingdoms had gone from atomic energy back down to like coal and and gas. Um, so and they didn't know how the technology worked. And so the foundation, in order to basically co-op them and undermine them, would send tech priests. These tech priests would go and they would actually mumble their prayers over these machines and fix them and then the technology would work. So Fauci basically. But yeah, I mean, we see this. We we see this idea of the tech priest coming up even later, right? That it's played off of in like uh, Warhammer 40k, where Mars is kind of this tech priesthood, and they worship a machine god, and their tech priests are they do technology, but it's also a religion for them. And this is the same. I mean, this really kind of gets started in Isaac Asimov's Foundation trilogy where religion and technology are actually welded into one thing. So that way, when when the kingdoms actually join forces against the foundation, they just tell the priests to stop praying, and the machines shut off. And then everybody's like, oh, no, you know? And so the people start rioting. And uh, So I guess the thing is, is like, I think about it today. We have a lot of technology but very few of us actually understand how it works. So think about think about this, okay? They were able to calculate that the Earth was spherical in the 5th century BC. Greek philosophers were able to do this. It wasn't practically demonstrated until like Magellan. Mm-hmm. Where they where they actually, you know, where like, he circumcised the world with an 80-foot clipper. Circumcised the world. <laughs> Circumnavigated the world. Oh, <laughs> he didn't circumnavigate. <laughs> it would have been a no, ga- it would have been no a wonder Mother Nature is bad. <laughs> Should we put the disclaimer in that that, that was meant on purpose? Yeah, yeah that was a purposeful <laughs> lie. A purposeful lie. There, there's the alternate title. <laughs> Circumcising <laughs> the world <laughs> with an eighty foot clipper. <laughs> oh, pretty terrible. But anyway. So the Greeks were able to do this back in the 5th century, but it is amazing how uh, a new flat earth movement is really growing in the United, in the United States even. They've even had conventions. Um, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I couldn't actually prove to them using mathematics or the curvature of the earth, I couldn't actually prove to them that the world was round. Well, you can... The, the best for... I mean... It's getting a little off topic, but the best I've ever seen on, on that is they did a documentary where they had a couple of flat earthers who very trusted each other, 
and one stood on the shore of a lake with a laser pointer pointing directly level and then uh, they sailed a boat out on the lake and the other flat earthers saw that the laser on the hull got higher and higher as they went away okay because of the curvature of the earth and his brain kind of 404 blue screen and he was like oh look at that huh Ha! Ah. And was like trying to figure out how can I explain this one away, right? And I mean, it is interesting, right? Though there are so many things that we take for granted and that we use on a daily basis. That if, like, think of like what our great grandparents used to know. Yeah, they. Yeah, even even things they like knew, food. They knew when to plant things. They knew when to, uh, you know, how to build homes. Uh, they knew how to take care of themselves. They knew how to slaughter their own animals. And, I mean, really, there are a lot of skills that we just simply do not have. And and to use your the example that you give from the, the book in that is the fact that then those who actually do have the ability to control that, that technology are the ones who really have all the power. Exactly. I think we see that right now. Because most people don't actually know how things like, I mean, honestly, and we maybe know a little bit more because of our research for theological questions, but the thing is, is like, we don't actually know as much as maybe we think we do and how the world actually works. Um, Think about this, right? We've been taught to wash our hands uh, a lot, but when hygiene really started to make its way in the world, you know what happened? Polio. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of unintended consequences that way as well. So, Or they say that also is why allergies are so bad, is because we are raised in too clean mm-hmm. and we're not exposed to a lot of the stuff. And so it's it's interesting, this sort of idea, and we've experienced it now, I think, with the pandemic and with a lot of things that uh, technology... Uh, science has become kind of a religion unto itself. Um, we treat them like a priesthood. I mean, more people listen to Fauci than listen to us on a regular basis. <laughs> I mean, right? Mm-hmm. R- really? I mean, you know, we probably have what a hundred and you know fifty dedicated listeners, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Fauci millions listen to him. Right? He is the new high priest. And so it, it is fascinating how uh, technology itself can become a religion. And, and, and the be... fact that, that he used that to manipulate as well. When he first said, well, you know, there's no need to wear masks. And he was saying that so that, so that you know, medical personnel or something, there'd be enough masks for people who needed them. Right. And then he came out later and says... Now we need to wear masks, and later we, we, we're supposed to wear two masks now. So I think that's, that, that is something interesting to struggle with, is uh, how much, because we're all very, I mean, you're listening to a podcast, so obviously you're kind of up on technology at least a little bit, right? Um, and I'm reading a book right now called uh, The Shallows. It's how the internet has actually made us shallow, um, and how this sort of screen time and the hyperlinks actually blunt our concentration and our brains are kind of reprogrammed to accept these very short bursts of information. 
uh, rather than taking the long understanding right, view of ra- it. Rather than actually reading a book all the way through, um, there are a lot of graduates now who just go on Google and do like keyword searches to pull out the pertinent quotes or whatever. Um, and it, it does show that technology does have, uh, for as many benefits as it brings, it also does have kind of this dark side. Um, it it actually it changes our environment, and then we adapt to that environment. And if we're not careful, we might actually adapt to an environment that we don't. That can actually be detrimental to the Christian faith. Well, and this is this is why a lot of tech people worry about AI, mm-hmm. right? Because AI is basically, and even even the creators of a lot of these AI algorithms don't understand how these AI algorithms work because it's not human-readable uh, connections that these AIs make, right? All these that AIs, is scary. All these AIs do is prioritize what they tell it to. So, you know, on like a YouTube or a Twitter, they, these algorithms by these AIs are there just to make you stay on their platform and consume and stay there, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, on Twitter, what gets the most engagement? What gets the most interaction? What keeps you on the platform yelling about stuff on Twitter? It's stuff you disagree with. It's stuff that makes you mad, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's all kind of designed to send you down wormholes. Right. Yeah. Right. And then if you get excommunicated from said p- platform, then there is no more information. You yeah, kind yeah of- and where you have no... Where, Technology could basically say you don't have a voice, right? Because even if you said, "Well, there is a whole thing with Facebook and, and Twitter," oh, we'll just go to Parlor. What happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the big tech controls all this stuff. The other thing too is, I mean, if we if we are now taking in information in very short bursts, I mean, what does that do to things like sermons, Bible studies? You know how how does that affect our preaching? Um, and I, I, I do think, like, it's, it's an issue, because how do you obey the third commandment when you've conditioned your brain to think in a way in, like, 180 characters? No, you see this in, a, in for example, a uh, Martin Luther sermon, which are great. But if we all said, oh, I'm going to preach this Luther sermon, and we read a whole Luther sermon. It, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Too long. They wouldn't be able to hold people's attention. Yeah, TLDR for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used that the other day, and my sister-in-law had no idea what I was talking about. So really? I felt, I felt really cool. I'll tell you, know. Bullhagen, what does TLDR mean? <laughs> you don't know, do you? Vicar, what does oh, come T- on, give us TLDR mean? Okay, TLDR. Uh, I will say that it's t- t- TLDR means toxic limes that drown rats. You know, you're close. Vicar, do you know what that one is? Yeah, so TLDR is one of those overly long acronyms to explain something that should be much shorter, and it would literally be too long, didn't read. Oh. That's like my motto. <laughs> I know. I, I was thinking you put that on, like, you had like a stamper that you just did with your Vicar sermon. I remember like, seeing, it, seeing it on, I think, Google, but I didn't bother <laughs> reading it. So usually on the internet... There'll be like a big, big, long post, and then basically the summary of the whole post is a TLDR. Too long, didn't read. This is what it, what this is what I was saying through this whole thing. 
So especially like, you know, a big thing in the news, at least at this very moment, is GameStop, (laughs) right? On Reddit, all these people are posting all of their, you know, how, why, why GameStop stock is really good. And everybody skips all these paragraphs of why GameStop is good and just sees the, the TLDR buy GameStop and then they buy <laughs> they buy GameStop. <laughs> so if TLDR. you go to GameStop now, TL- is it, is TLDR it, buy is GameStop don't sell. Diamond hands. No, take what you're going to give to GameStop and put it in the offering plate. Hey, I like that. There we go. Take your gains from GameStop and put it in the offering plate. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, yeah, we're I think we're pretty over. Okay. All right. I just went on a tangent. I uh, you heard you heard the beep here. I uh, just went on a tangent on GameStop for like ten minutes. We'll put that on the Patreon. So if you're a patron, you can hear me rant about GameStop for ten minutes. And it's pretty amazing. It is. <laughs> I'm not even sure I was 100 percent right, but you can hear my rendition of GameStop. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of our weird. This is probably one of the, I think one of the weirdest episodes. Uh, one of we've the most done. amazing episodes we've ever done. Yeah. Sorry, I, every time I show up, I tend to. We need to real. bring more. See, well, rabbit hole, right? Rabbit hole. Like that's the name of this gen is rabbit hole. That is what we've been doing this whole time. And where could they get a hold of us, of us, Vicar? Yeah, we we we, we wanted to get uh, do some questions today, and we realized we didn't actually have any questions. So if you send us a question. Uh, chances are really good we're going to answer your question. So if you guys have a question, where can they get a hold of us? Yeah, questions. You can send them an email, feedback at clericalerrors.org. Find us on facebook.com slash podcast and at Twitter so far cl- at clericalerrorsp. P for podcast, bro. I, I uh, Vicar, I've been in the studio for a couple episodes. I, I knew you had a cheat sheet. Uh, I was just looking at it, though, and I love that you have a little bit in parentheses that says P for podcast on your yes. on your card. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. I'm Vicar. And I'm Peter. May your movies be great, but... May the book be better. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns... You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.